White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Fred has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Fred. Barry takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. Can it go? Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am Herb Lawrence. He is Chris Tannehill, and again, this is Mailbag Monday, so we will be taking some of the questions that you have emailed or tweeted us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com or on the Locked On Socks Twitter page. You can go there and follow us there, or me on Twitter, it's EctorWall23, or Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. How's it going, Tanny? All right. What's going on, Herb? Uh, before we get started today, I'd like to remind the Locked On Sox listeners that support for our podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Arizona Office of Tourism. This spring, you can follow the White Sox or whoever your favorite team is to beautiful Arizona, home of Cactus League Baseball. There's so much to offer in Arizona, home of 10 stadiums, 15 major league teams, and of course, those 75-degree temperatures. Herb, it's uh, supposed to snow again here this week, and uh, with no Sox games on television, um, the only chance you may get to see your Sox uh, in person is uh, sooner than later by heading out to Arizona. Cactus League action may be the last chance you and your kids have to interact with your favorite teams and players up close and personal. You know, before the season gets started, you know, it gets a little hectic out there. You're competing with more people for those autographs, more people for those handshakes, high fives, all that good stuff. So definitely spring training in Arizona is where it's at. Uh, wife and I were just talking yesterday about how we, we want to, you know, take a little weekend getaway. We're starting to get a little stir crazy here in the house uh, in Chicago here in these winter months. Maybe you're looking for a romantic getaway with your significant other. Arizona is home to many great restaurants, some of which I've sampled personally when I was out there a couple years back. And there's several amazing craft breweries like Goldwater, Four Peaks, and many, many others. If you like live music too, Arizona's got you covered with some of the best venues to keep the entertainment going even after the final out is recorded. So Arizona is the place to be right now, and if the outdoors are your thing, the Grand Canyon. Herb, you've ever seen the Grand Canyon? I've never seen the Grand Canyon. Only on TV or YouTube. Yeah, me neither. It's definitely on my bucket list of things to see uh, before you, you leave this universe. Um, you know, this is such a big, great country. So many things to see. We kind of take it for granted. Um, they've also got Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson as well. Uh, time is running out, so don't wait a second any longer. Get out to Arizona now. See the Sox or whoever your favorite team is in Cactus League action. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. All right. Episode 24 tonight, Herbie. What do you got for me? I mean, I'm going to go with Joe Creedy. That's an yes. obvious one. We're on the same page finally. Mercy. It only took about yeah. seven episodes for us to be on the same page with the number. And we're here. Yeah, I mean, who's better than Joe Caridi? Is that we're in that number twenty-four, and he's a guy that I went from 
feeling like, man, this this prospect they got is going to be great. Then when he got on the team, I was like, ugh, this guy's not that good. Then he became the guy that we all wanted him to be, and then back problems pretty much uh, derailed his career. But 2005, 2006, Joe Creedy was the guy we were promised. He was money. I mean, people, you may not believe in clutch, but like if, you know, people call it the absence of suck um, or absence of mm-hmm. choke, Joe Creedy would definitely had that that clutch gene to him. And I remember when he first came up, he was awful. He could not hit. And then that carried over to the defensive side. And we're like, well, I thought this guy was supposed to be a solid defender. Uh, not so much. But then eventually he came into his own and burst out of his shell a little bit in the 2005 season and I could say that one of the funnest games I've ever been to that wasn't a playoff game September 20th 2005 uh, the Sox lost the night before to the Cleveland Indians the AL Central mm-hmm. lead was down to two and a half games panic was at an all-time high things were you know sphincters were getting tight down the stretch there for the AL Central lead in 2005 it was Mark Burley on the bump versus Jake Westbrook uh, it's one of those back and forth games all night long, you know, some good offense going, you know, Cleveland was just a buzzsaw uh, that year. They had, you know, Hafner, young Victor Martinez, Grady Sizemore, um, you know, it's like, you know, six to five socks, I think. And then Bobby Jenks blows the lead in the ninth. They go to extra innings and Joe Creedy walks it off, leading off the 10th. I and mean, it was just one of the most electric games I've ever been to. I remember after the game, there's a decent crowd. Like I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, decent crowd that night. You know, twenty six, twenty seven thousand for a weeknight uh, in September, and everyone walking down the ramps on the way to the parking lot was uh, was chanting "Let's go White Sox." It felt like a watershed moment for that team that year, and of course, it was Joe Creedy uh, making it all happen. Joe Creedy. Yeah, I think he hit that homer off of David Risky. He I remember did. That day Risky business because. Because I was so pissed after Bobby Jenks gave up that home run or gave up the lead, I walked down to the subway by my uh, place. So I was living at the the Ukrainian village at the time, and just furious. I was like, I got to eat my feelings. And so when I came <laughs> back, I started right when Joe Creedy started that at bat, and I went wild. And I remember I was like, man, some breathing room finally. Ah, Cleveland's not coming to get us. I remember people. I think we were working. I was working at the score at the time. Uh, my second time I worked the score, and like the Sox panic was huge. People were talking about maybe the biggest lead in history being blown by a team, and I remember that whole August and September was just like you know biting your nails every game because the White Sox were in fact choking, and Joe Creedy with that clutch home run got us out of it, so it was great. Yeah, that was the thing too with that we, that game was they still lost the next night. I mean, but just yes. having so but when you're playing a three-game series against a team that's trailing you, like you just you just can't get swept. And yes. you know, that that particular game wasn't like a, a wasn't a catalyst for anything in particular other than just keeping a little bit of of a buffer between them and the Indians. You know when the Indians would leave, would leave town that they wouldn't have the lead and that they wouldn't be overtaking the Sox when they left town. And I know there was a series after that, and that's where you see the famous Ozzie Guillen choke sign to the Cleveland Indian fans uh, after the White Sox had beat them. No they doubt. pretty much did a, ta- a tailspin, tailspin after that. Yeah, and the rest is history, as they say. Uh, we're going to get to the mailbag in just a little bit, um, but a couple of news items uh, to go over. There was an actual baseball game played today. Men put on their baseball pants and their baseball hats, and, and the White Sox over in Goodyear, 
uh, took on the Reds, and they won 7-2. to And, of course, we couldn't watch it. It was not on TV or radio. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just a dumb thing that the White Sox are doing. That game should, and every single game, should be at minimum webcast to everybody on their website. And more than six games on the NBC Sports uh, station. And if you don't want to put it on the channel, put it on the app. People would consume this product if it was out there to be consumed. I know this whole afternoon I was like, what the hell do I watch? Like tomorrow I think the game is on. Monday the game is on there uh i think it's on nbc sports chicago so it's good but i think it's during the day so people won't be able to watch a sunday day game the lid lifter as it was yesterday um would have been a great time to have the white Sox and the reds in aptly named goodyear which both teams seem to be having or gonna be having this year Ooh, so. i like see what you did there i was watching the yeah. i was watching the Goddamn Rays and Angels, I think, today I was watching because I was, I was longing for baseball so badly. But, yeah, so the Sox, they won 7-2. to Look really good, by the way, at least from the couple of photos I saw. They were sporting the uh, the the black tops, gray slacks, and uh, mm-hmm. with, with the, the Batman logo. But they had the, the, uh, the numbers, the, the digits, the numerals on the front of the jersey which I think is not something they've done before, at least I don't remember, but that's a pretty smooth road alternate, if you ask me. The, the black top the, with the, the retro-ish Batman logo, it looked, it looked pretty smooth. But Dylan C. started the game. Two innings pitch, three hits, three strikeouts, no earned runs, kind of labored a little bit from what I read. Carson Fulmer came in and uh, one inning pitch, three walks, but he got out of it unscathed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Carson Fulmer special today in Goodyear. Yeah, and then uh, I saw that uh, Larry Garcia got an RBI hit. Uh, Nick Madrigal got an RBI single later in the game. We're, we're doing yeah, work. And he got did. a home run from Sebi Savala. Yeah, Sebi had a, had a nice day today. One for two with a two-run homer. Nick Madrigal, as you said, one for two with an RBI. Also RBIs from Tim Anderson, Liori, like you just mentioned, and Danny Mendick also. And Mike Rodolfo uh, back on a baseball field. He had a double, and uh, Luis Basabe had a hit, and we're going to get to them later in the podcast as well. But, yeah, it was finally games are underway. I can't wait to, to take in a game, a Sox game on the radio or television. It's, it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah, there's nothing better than seeing your guys. I saw Chuck Garfine, and thank you to Chuck for broadcasting a little bit of the game. And, you know, I know Major League Baseball – didn't give him permission, didn't give Uh-oh. him written permission. I, I hope that. they so put, him, put him under the baseball jail, as far as I'm concerned. I have, I have a great oh. amount of respect for the express written consent of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's strictly prohibited. I don't know what Chuck's doing, but thank you. He showed me the Louis Robert at bat where he just hit a rocket to left field and caught by the left fielder out there. But I uh, want more of that type of thing, like – he was talking to Jason Benetti in between. This is the thing they should be doing on the broadcast if they do this tomorrow. I would, it's much more um, uh, it's much more enjoyable to have that interaction, uh, Chuck being part of this spring training uh, broadcast because after a while, the fourth inning, fifth inning, guys that you know are going to be dis- departing, and then you need some more entertainment to keep you there. So if they can do that, like that little banter that him and Benetti and Stoney – had today. Well, Stoney wasn't there, but Benetti and uh, Garfine sitting next to each other in the stands. I'll be all in for it. Yeah, but I mean, from what I learned, like researching with all this marquee stuff going on, 
I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see them pick up more games because from what I understand, during like a spring training game, I think you know a company like NBC Sports Chicago, I think they're going to operate at, at a loss at, at doing a particular game. Like They're not going to make any money no matter how they sell it, from, from what I was told. like I don't know if that's true for this particular situation, but I think that's why you don't see more uh, games broadcasted because I just I think they don't make any money off of them because think about it, you got to everyone that's stationed in Chicago when they're doing a game is either you know uh, on salary for the year or they don't have to pay for to have them travel but you got all the trucks and everyone and camera operators like there's a lot that goes into it so I, I guess I could see why they wouldn't want to do it so I, that's well, I, I don't think you'll see any more games be added. Well, I would, you know, if they don't want to do like a full production, and I know they're going to do one today, Monday, what they can do is just have like Rich King like they do and a guy that works for the baseball club with two cameras. Uh, one that's just from the press box looking at home plate, seeing the pitcher batter interaction, and then another camera that just shows you where the ball's going. We're not asking for much. We're not asking for a huge production. But we want to see our socks. The thing is, like, we got a hunger. You show us this uh, acquisitions all off season, and then when the balls fucking put out there, <laughs> you're just like, all right, uh, we're not gonna have any TV or radio or web stream, uh, and we're not really gonna tweet about what's going on either. So I saw like two tweets from the game, two, like, like, oh, you'd like to see this, and it was like the. Lurie Garcia RBI single, and then Timmy with his uh, uh, ground ball to score a run. So, <laughs> just give me something. Like <laughs> you have a fan base. Like there's no other sport. Like NHL shows, like the Blackhawks show their games on when they have the preseason games. Same thing with the Bulls. Same thing with the, uh, the NFL. Give me all the games. Give me the option to watch your games or not. And yeah, losing money sucks and. That's terrible, but somebody's got to dip in their pocket to give the entertainment of baseball and show that people, hey, this is what baseball is about, and we're going to give it to you for either a cheap price or for free. Because I'm sure people would pay for a spring training game. I would pay for a webcast-only service where you pay $5 for all the webcasts. Yeah, a little can, uh, like a game a la carte. Like if you want to buy a game, just buy that game individually. Yeah, I like I like that model. I would settle for just them having Jason Benetti put his uh, like cell phone down and then just talk in the background with whoever walks in the room. You know what I mean? Like I would settle <laughs> for literally just like you said, something. Give me anything that I that I could absorb. You know, but they I guess they are doing a game tomorrow, and it's kind of weird that they don't do it on the radio because that doesn't cost nearly as much. You, you have to pay the talent. I know you're not getting Ed and DJ to, to fly out to Arizona, and you know, and Major's there, there though, right? I mean, there are people that are within the organization that would do it, and you you you, you pay an engineer, and you, you know, you think they're already equipped, but yeah. So I don't know what they got going on on, on GN on a Sunday afternoon, but yeah, it's kind of perplexing. Usually, you can always catch it on the radio, but. Not the case today. So you mentioned Chuck Garfine earlier, and mm -hmm. he had a story uh, NBCSportsChicago.com. Kenny Williams came out and uh, and and spoke to Chuck about y our guy Yasiel Puig, who we mentioned on the podcast. Uh, and, yeah, he better stay out of our business. He better stay out of White Sox business. That's right. So Kenny comes out and talks about Puig, who started. You know, we started a little controversy with Puig, and that was the guy that I wanted to add 
for the the 26th uh, man, like the late spring training edition, add a little pop to the lineup. So Kenny tells Chuck that um, Puig's people and the White Sox did get together during the winter meetings in December uh, to discuss the possibility of the 29-year-old outfielder joining the White Sox as their everyday right fielder. For whatever reason, they couldn't come to a deal. So the same week, they eventually acquired Nomar Mazzara from the Rangers from Steel Walker, which we know what happened there. Um, Kenny says, after our meeting, we came away big Yasiel Puig fans, but he wasn't the right fit for us, and he isn't right now, end quote, William said. To me, that's, I don't know, like, this is before Mazzara, so I don't understand why it wouldn't be a good fit. This is not coming in after the fact and asking a guy if he wants to platoon, which I could totally see Puig not wanting to be a, non, a non-full-time player. I don't want to say part-time because it would be not that excessive, but I could see how he wouldn't want to you know, split time with someone else. But before the acquisition of Mazzara, it's kind of perplexing to me. And there was a quote from Obreu who also said, uh, I don't think he would be a good fit here. Um, don't get me wrong, he has a lot of talent, but we're full, end quote. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if this is just like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet with them and see how it is, but we already have our mind made up. It's kind of perplexing to me how, they, how this came out like so late. Like you think you would have heard about this uh, months ago in December, but uh, yeah, it was kind of weird to me. What did you think about the whole Yasiel Puig story that came out uh, yesterday. Very odd to, for a GM to speak on a specific free agent that is not signed anywhere. Like, when there's finality with the Wheeler thing, they could speak on their their deal, they could speak on what they had, but Puig is still out there. To have a, a hard and fast, we're not signing this guy, and we like the guy, but we're not signing him, is a weird, odd thing to say. Like, to come out and say that. I don't know why, like, why. Like, I know there's rumors around there, but they don't have to answer to everything that we as fans or the media says. So, yeah, Kenny, I don't know. I'm and, lo- I love what he did. Like, I always love, I have love for Kenny for 2005 forever. But every single time he opens his mouth, last year after the Machado thing, disaster. This year, this is not a disaster, but it's just like, why? You know, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I would love to have Puig, but you don't need to tell me that we're not getting Puig, and to say he doesn't fit is odd to me. Uh, I know him and Ray have had odds, um, you know, different type of personalities. Probably Ray doesn't like his work ethic, his his flamboyance and such, and Jose's more of a down, head down, work hard type of guy and doesn't think that Puig is that guy. I think that having Puig on this team does you no harm and might help. And you would have a nice platoon. And while the career splits don't bore it out, 2019 does where Puig hit better versus the lefties than he's ever done in his career. So I'm not a fan of Kenny ever coming up to the mic and saying, well, you stay out of White Sox business. He should stay out of his own White Sox business on this one and let Rick do all the talking. And he can you know, take credit for all the signings that are good if he wants to. Well, maybe uh, Yasiel Puig is in Chicago tough. Chicago tough. I'm going to speculate here for a second. I think that this is you know relatively early on in the process in December at the meetings. I'm thinking maybe Puig wanted a long-term deal. You know, I know everyone's looking for a long-term deal, but I'm thinking he probably he's only 29 still, even though it seems like he's been in the league forever. 
at 29 mm-hmm. years old, he probably wanted at least a three or four year deal. And I'm hoping, I'm going to speculate and hope that they were not in the Yasiel Puig business because they know that they're going to be in pursuit of one of the best players to hit the market in, in some time uh, this offseason when Mookie Betts uh, is a right field possibility for the White Sox. I'm wondering if that's the case. Maybe. Keep it open. If that's yeah. what they're going to be in there, I, I would be furious, furious if they do not even get into that bidding war. Because they have plenty of money, as we saw was released today or this week, that the White Sox came up, I think, uh, 18th in the league in payroll for 2020. So plenty of room, slightly below league average, I think 10 million below league average in payroll. And so they have the money for next year and beyond to sign whoever they want to um, and not get even close to the luxury tax threshold. So. Uh, if they're putting all the eggs in the Mookie slash George Springer, which I'm kind of souring on because of the Astros cheating scandal type of thing, but put all your eggs in that basket, I'm cool with you, White Sox. And if that's why you don't want to sign Puig, more power to you. And speaking of contracts and flexibility, things like that, uh, more news came out uh, earlier today. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported uh, he tweeted, the shrewd White Sox keep locking up their young talent. They are signing reliever Aaron Bummer to a five-year, $16 million contract. It's the largest extension given to a non-closer who has yet to qualify for salary arbitration in MLB history. Uh, Bummer, 2019, had a pretty good year. Uh, sub-1 whip, uh, 0.99, a 2.13 ERA. He was eighth in the American League in holds. And uh, as far as inherited runners scored... He was 17th. So he's a, a top-tier American League reliever, uh, you know, like like we all know this already. But I think it was nice, and that's a pretty good figure. I got to go back and see what um, Andrew Miller ended up getting. That's the only comp that I can think of. But as far as getting a big-time reliever locked in for such a cheap rate, uh, it's still in the prime years of his career. What's not to like about this move? Everything to like about this deal is, again, Rick Hahn doing the thing that he does the best, signing his players pre-ARB years and getting them for extra. If he is Aaron Bummer, the guy that he was last year throughout this contract, even if he isn't this guy, if the contract is so cheap, it's so uh, like it gives Bummer the security of, hey, I'm going to be 16 million deep when I end this contract. It's going to be great. My family can live off of this. It's It's excellent. And the White Sox say, hey, left-handed, young reliever with filthy stuff, sinker ball that makes people just ground that ball right into the dirt. Baby, we're in the house. So there's nothing not to like about this deal. Works out for everybody. And I like what Rick Hahn does with these things. In the future, I don't know if Yohan Moncada is going to be doing this or if I was Lucas Giolito, I'd be doing this immediately because the pitcher's arm from, from year to year is, you know, questionable and if they come with the right deal baby gotta sign it Yoan Moncada if I was advising him I would not do a one of these deals but would love for Rick to just see somehow some way get Johan to sign on the dotted line take up those extra ARB years and then maybe one or two of those free agency years and have him uh, set for life yeah it's weird like it works both ways for Moncada right because he's another situation like Luis Robert was where he already got paid as an international free agent from Cuba. So he already had his money coming in. And so, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, so he's already got his money. 
So, you know, he should be content in just signing a team-friendly extension, which is not always the case. Like, these guys, when they get their money, I was really surprised to see Luis Robert sign the team-friendly deal. But with Moncada, Mm -hmm. it's one of those situations where he's like, you know, I know my worth. Like, you know, yes, I've got my money, but I'm not going to sell myself short. Uh, The only thing I could see is if they really appear to be building something long-term. Like, if you have an unprecedented number of team-friendly contracts – and all of a sudden you're looking around, you're like, man, we've got a good solid group that's that's going to be here for at least five years. And then all of a sudden you see guys like Moncada maybe fall in line and, and they really do take a selfless approach and say like, oh, you know what? I, I would like to be here and and maybe not reach my full financial ceiling, but I, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I think that's the only way you see this possibly shaking out in the White Sox favor here because I definitely I, I expect him to test the open market, but you, you never yeah. know. Like they're they're building a solid nest here, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me either way. Because like I'm I'm looking at the uh, schedule in front of me here. You got Tim Anderson, one of the faces. Eloy, one of the faces. Both those guys locked in, and you know it's I I, I could definitely see a situation where Rickon is able to convince him, but I think they would have done so already if he was going to do it. Don't you think? Yeah, they're so close, and if I'm advising Johan. Um, with the 21 CBA being expired in uh, next year, uh, I would say, you know, let's wait. There's no rush to get this money now. Let's wait until the CBA is done, see what the money is then, see what the, the, the sharing is, see where clubs, as far as money goes, uh, will have at that time. Uh, the books will be exposed if need be, and we can exploit a couple of extra dollars out of these people, maybe they, uh, I mean, I'm sure all the deals before this 21 deal will be grandfathered into the, whatever the new CBA is, but there's no rush to get into a new deal and before that CBA is ratified and put into place for the 2022 season. So I would be shocked if they got him in, happy as hell, but shocked if they got Yoan Mankata signed on the dotted line to a long-term extension. Definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. Why don't we get to the mailbag, Herbie? We got the bag. Yes. I'm ready for the bag. Uh, Jeremy writes in, if Lopez struggles in the rotation, do you guys see him getting sent down or moved to the bullpen? Thank you, Jeremy. And remember, you can email your Locked on Sox questions to LockedOnSox at gmail.com. So what do you think about Ray Lowe, Herbie, who I was looking forward to, to seeing pitch last night, but rain in Arizona. So what do you think about Jeremy's question? I think that, uh, yes, with the White Sox having the availability of Michael Kopech to come back, and I don't know if they're going to be playing with service time because I was been told, and I didn't think this was true, but, yeah, he can gain back, well, the White Sox can gain back a year for him. They keep him down in the minor leagues for a certain amount of time. So um, with Raylo being the fourth starter with uh, Giovanni Gonzalez's injury, they're going to need him to pitch very well in the early going and all through the, uh, the year. I've heard he's had extensive uh, workouts with Giolito, and they are represented by the same people. James Feagan came on with Rick Camp and I yesterday and said they're represented by the same people. So uh, Raylo this offseason went to uh, work out with Lucas Giolito and hopefully picked up some of what Giolito had last year and the confidence, I think that's probably the most things that Giolito had. He worked on his mental game of give up that double. F it. Let's get the next guy out type of thing. And Braylo 
runs into those type of problems. So does Dylan Cease, where he has a big inning because he can't get that next guy out and that next guy out after having a bad pitch uh, be performed and getting rid of that dumb uh, mistake in your head and saying, hey, it's gone. Let's go on to the next guy. So he looks like in great shape, looks the best shape in his life. And if he doesn't perform, White Sox have some options there. I'm wanting Michael Kopech to come up and take somebody's spot. And eventually, Rodon will maybe take somebody's spot. Maybe even um, Dane Dunning late in the year. So there's some people out there that can take his spot. And I hope he knows that and feels that pressure and performs. Because pressure can bust pipes or create diamonds. No I got a... Sorry, go no, ahead. No, I was gonna say you as far with your Raylo one. Yeah, I was I was gonna say um, the best scenario for the White Sox and for him is if he struggles, which I don't think he will. I think he's gonna have a bounce back year. I think he's gonna show up more to form of the 2018 Ronaldo Lopez than last year. Like you said, he, he looks in great shape, and they're not gonna throw him in the bullpen if he's struggling. It also depends on. How is he struggling? Is he struggling with control? Is it velocity? What's going on? So like that, it's kind of a loaded question in that regard. But, you know, they're not going to throw him in the bullpen and then, then just lose him as a starter. You know, like I, I, they're going to put him back down in Charlotte, I think. Work on what he's got to work on because he's a guy like, you know, they're going to they're gonna need him because you mentioned Gio Gonzalez. That's a guy who's still not quite on track to – be in the rotation at the start of the year as far as right now goes, mm-hmm. you know, unless they're, you know, just, you know, not being totally truthful with us or he's just, you know, not stepping on the accelerator quite yet because he's a veteran and he knows what it takes to when it's time for the bell ring. But I, he, he hasn't thrown off a mound yet. Yeah, that's that's a problem. So they're going to need Lopez, you know, and, and I think if he struggles early, he's going to he's going to have to pitch through it. You know, they, they he's he's done it before. And, you know, he's still learning. He's entering his third year with the Sox, but he's still learning a lot at, at the big league level. And, and they do have options, but early on they, they don't. They're kind of shorthanded uh, in the early going. So I think, you know, you're going to see him try to pitch through it and and hopefully, you know, he, he can bounce back and, and, you know, learn from his previous experience being a pitcher at the major league level and kind of work through it. But as the season progresses, I think – uh, you'll see him in Charlotte more than anything because I don't think they're going to want to throw a struggling guy in the bullpen because then you're looking at a scenario where he's only getting work maybe once a week in a blowout and hopefully the Sox are on the the uh, the dis- distributing end of the blowouts more so uh, you know this season than they have in years past so who knows when you'll see him then and that's really not how you get a guy to sort through his problems by just sitting there especially a pitcher in the mental side of the game, just sitting there in the bullpen and, and thinking about it and thinking about it. Like we see it with Carson Fulmer all the time. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a terrible outing and then he doesn't pitch again for another week. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you know, it's the end of the world again for him. So yeah, I, I think he'll, they'll let him work it out in Charlotte, you know, not because of any slight against him, but I think that's just the best professional environment to build back confidence and kind of work through things on a more extended level. So I hope we don't see it. I'm predicting a, a bounce back here from, from Lopez this year. And speaking of minor leagues in Charlotte, we have a question from Roger, who is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Herb and Chris of Basabe. So Luis, uh, uh, Basabe, uh, Blake Rutherford, I think Luis Gonzalez and Michael Rodolfo, who has the best chance of making some noise in the minors this year from Roger in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Chris? Yeah, Roger, a little selfish question here in Charlotte. I think Roger wants to see uh, who's who he's going to see come up from Birmingham uh, and play in Charlotte so he can get a look at him up close and personal. I think that's why he's asking this question, I'm hoping. He wants to see who's going to be in a, in, a, in a Knights uniform first. And, you know, it was kind of a weird year. You know, you hear a lot about the Sox farm system and how they have this glut of outfielders, but it really – it, it's not the case. It's not like anyone is just is 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 rapping at the at the back door, like you know that they could sneak into this uh, this twenty twenty Sox team. You know, not not the case um, at Birmingham. They're kind of all these guys are kind of all on a, on a similar trajectory. They're kind of waiting for one of these guys to take the next step. Like I, you know, I like Mike Rodolfo a lot. He obviously has had an injury plague past couple of years. Um, so I think as far as the ceiling goes, I think Micah has the best ceiling of, of those guys because I think when it comes down to who the Sox are going to look at to make the next step up to Charlotte, it, first of all, let's get to the Charlotte situation because their current outfield is kind of up for grabs right now. And it's it's it, realistically, any of these guys could be promoted at the beginning of the year because Charlotte's outfield right now, the depth chart is Delmonico, Palka, uh, Jacob Brugman and Chesler Cuthbert. So these are all guys yeah. with major league experience that are probably <laughs> that would probably just ask to uh, be designated for assignments, be you know put on waivers, whatever, and just walk. You know, like see if they can have a shot at making someone else's uh, big league team. You know, there are injuries for sure, but a guy like Nicky Delmonico, like I don't know what 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 he's thinking. You know, Palka, like it's kind of a disaster disaster at AAA because none of those guys are going to be on the big league roster this year barring uh, any major injuries. So the Sox they're they're looking for someone at Birmingham to step up with the power numbers. Like uh, you know all these guys are kind of struggling with the power. I think if they were hitting for power, you'd see them up already, but you know Gonzalez had 9 home runs. Uh you know uh Rutherford had 7 only and I read an article about how he's trying to beef up and add some weight so he can boost up those power numbers. So he's taking some uh, initiative. And then Basabe just three home runs, but he's not really a power hitter per se. Um, it, you know, let's you know all things equal. I like Micah Adolfo because I, I like the bat. I think he has the highest upside of anyone. Um, but in terms of actually who has the the easiest trajectory, the easiest pathway to a major league roster, I think it's Basabe because of the defense and the speed. Um, and and he's got uh, you know a, a little bit of a higher OBP than some of these other guys do. So I think realistically, a lot of things could happen. You may see all these guys up there uh, sooner than later because of of the current Charlotte situation. But I like I'm just gonna go ahead and say um, I like Basabe to be the first one to to make the jump because of the defense. And when you're talking about grooming these young pitchers like you know Jonathan Stever and those type of guys, and as they move up through the ranks. You're gonna want a rock solid outfield, uh, to, you know, to help with their development, their confidence, and you know. So I think I like Basabi a lot. He, he, of course, came over in the Chris Sale deal. A lot of high potential there. So I think it'll be Luis Basabi. You'll see in a Charlotte Knights uniform first. But as far as high breakout potential with the bat, I think it's Miker. Okay, I'm gonna go with my horse. Last year, I think we, me, you, uh, Shane Reardon did a podcast with Clinton Cole. For future Sox, and I was very impressed with what Luis Gonzalez did in his uh, rookie year with the minor league club, uh, single A, high A, uh, low A, uh, high A, Winston Salem and uh, Kannapolis in 2018. He was very impressive. Hit like 300, got on base at about 370 clip. 2019 was not as good, but the one thing that stands out to me 
who struck out less in more games at Double A Birmingham than he did the year before with the two uh, minor league uh, single leg clubs. So 89 strikeouts in 2019 with 103 the year before. So yeah, not great numbers of the slash line of 247, 316, and 359 on the slugging. Um, but I just think as a 23 year old, he was adjusting to the league. Double A's not that easy. The wasn't using the ball that the majors and Triple A were using. And he was just, you know, tooling his game and coming out and trying to be the hitter that the White Sox need him to be. I'm looking for him to go back to Birmingham and know the league, know the pitchers, know the atmosphere and kill it initially at Birmingham. So he get the call up to Charlotte. And I'm going to put my money on those four guys, on Luis Gonzalez to be the guy that's going to have the best year in the White Sox minor leagues for those four guys that we've named. All right. It would behoove any of them to have a big year, not only for their, their personal sake, but for the White Sox sake. And also if they're looking to make any type of major trade salutes, they're going to need one of these guys to separate themselves from, from the rest of the pack. So ho- hopefully they all have great years that will have one of those good problems and they'll all be patrolling the outfield in, in Charlotte in 2020. But um, unless you have any other, uh, any other Twitter questions, I think that's about it for the mailbag tonight. I mean, we had a guy last night. Well, Saturday oh yes, night. yes, we were out. Mike. We were out last night. Uh, you know, having a having a couple of adult beverages uh, out in uh, in Villa Park, and and the power of the pod, man. We uh, we 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 met someone that was uh, who actually participated in the last Mailbag Monday edition, and it, it was great to meet him. He he introduced himself. He somehow recognized us uh, at at a, this random dive bar <laughs> in Villa Park. But but Mike, thank you for stopping and say hello to Herb and I. And Herb, thank you for buying the uh, gentleman a beer. That was very nice of you. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, it was great meeting you in person last night at Lunar. And thanks again, Herb, for the beer. Hope you guys enjoyed one of the my favorite local spots. Can't wait for the season to start and go Sox. P.S. Tell Rick Camp I love his podcast too, even though he probably figured that I, that out based on my look. You know, <laughs> that, he, was a, he was a bigger guy. It was like funny myself. because Rick, you know, I was joking with Rick, like we were talking about how funny it was, like you know that we got recognized and and he didn't, but that lo, lo and behold, he did get recognized from the On Fat Pod. So take you know, don't sell yourself short there, Campy. You got fans too, you know. But yeah. but in all fairness to you know to us, you know. He, you got us. We're in the building, okay. This is this is locked on White Sox, okay. So there's Damn no right. there's no slights. <laughs> yeah, calm down, Jay Zawaski. This is us. <laughs> this is all us. Rick Camp and Jay Zawaski. We're right. running things in at bars. People recognizing us. Thank you very much, Mike, for saying what's up. It was a good conversation with you, and no problem. If you guys come up to us and we're at a bar, we're probably gonna have you. We're gonna have a beer together. My guy John Shank. Uh, when we met him out in Pittsburgh, yes. Brendan bought him a beer. I owe him a beer. And then, and then John bought us a round of beer. So, you know, come up and say what's up if you see us in random places. Especially yeah. when Taney and I are together, we we'll sometimes get recognized at the ballpark. And weirdly enough, in Pittsburgh, it was very weird. John recognized us. It was great. Yeah, that's Good to see the like-minded White Sox fans. Definitely, the preferred way to say hello to us is by buying us alcohol. I would say, generally speaking, I mean, or food. You can just buy us food too. We're, we're fat too. 
That should be our our second podcast. We're fat also. <laughs> no, we don't we don't want to put them out of business totally. But yeah, but thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike, for stopping and saying hello. Like you know, I I, I love when people say that they're enjoying the podcast. So. You know, I think that's it for tonight. You know, uh, we got some games to preview uh, coming up and games to react to, so that that's mm. exciting. So can't wait. I mean, we got real game that we could see tomorrow. I think I'll be at work. Well, this is gonna be listened to by people on Monday morning or Monday afternoon, so we're recording this on Sunday. But mailbag Monday, we're gonna be watching this game with you while you're at work. So sneak in. Get your TVs tuned in to NBC Sports Chicago. I'm excited to see the White Sox for the first time this year, even though it's a practice game. No doubt. That's all I got tonight, Herbie. It's been a late night. It was a very late night last night. I hope you enjoyed your tacos. And uh, I, I am very yeah. sleep-deprived, so I think it's uh, that, that puts a bow on uh, the Joe Creedy edition of the Locked on White Sox podcast. That is correct, and yeah, we had a little drinks and stayed a little hydrated with some water, and got I got some tacos later on. It was delicious, so I did not have a hangover this morning. So thank you, Tanny, for tonight. I will be putting this up in the morning for your consumption on Locked on Socks. My name is Herb Lawrence. That's Chris Tannehill. If you want to be a participant in this Mailbag Monday for next week or the weeks uh, that follow it, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is our email. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, the email, LockedOnSocks on Twitter and Instagram. You can send us questions via that. Follow to Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter and on Instagram, me, HectorWall23, which is just Lawrence spelled backwards, 23, Rob Ventura. So for Chris Tannehill, it's Herb Lawrence saying good evening, good morning, good afternoon on Locked on Socks.